Welcome to the Holiday Podcast, where we sit over some homemade challah bread every Friday afternoon. I'm your host, Tammy Priest, and it's great to be with you today as we take another look at the intersection of the old and the new. Um, now, as you can see, I have more than just challah today. I also have a few sifganyot left. They're fried jelly-filled donuts that are a traditional Hanukkah food. And Hanukkah started last night. Uh, my house actually still smells like oil from all the frying I did last night. Um, not only the donuts, but also uh, latkes, the potato pancakes, um, which I don't always do, but it's 2020, which is why I decided to make the donuts for the first time, and they actually are really good. Um, I can't say how these leftovers will be um, now that they're not hot, but I'm guessing we'll find out at some point today. Um, anyway, uh, the reason we eat all this fried food on Hanukkah, which isn't really the Jewish norm, is because we're celebrating the miracle of the oil, which is at the center of the Hanukkah miracle. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Now, um, I'll be honest, a lot of Christians I've met uh, don't know the real meaning of Hanukkah. I mean, people have a general sense that Hanukkah is, um, well, the, the Jewish version of Christmas or the Jewish answer to Christmas, but it's not. Um, Hanukkah actually um, has been around a lot longer than Christmas. Um, they're not really connected, except that they both focus on light with the Hanukkah oil and the Christmas star. So we're gonna talk about this maybe um, unexpected intersection of the old and the new today. Okay, now um, as well known as Hanukkah is, um, it's actually not a God-ordained feast that is found in the Old Testament. In fact, if you look through a Protestant Bible, you'll find that the only reference to Hanukkah is actually in the New Testament. In the Gospel of John, uh, John tells us in 1022 that Jesus uh, was walking along the temple colonnades during the winter um, near the time of the Feast of Dedication. And that's actually the literal meaning of the word Hanukkah, dedication. So yes, it's also called the Festival of Lights, which we'll get to in just a minute, but the official name is the Feast of Dedication. So what dedication would be so special that there would be an annual fest, uh, festival honoring it. Well, the account of Hanukkah is found in the Apocrypha, uh, the books between the Old and New Testament that you'll find in Catholic Bibles, as well as in Jewish writings. Um, of course, the Jewish Apocrypha doesn't have the books about Jesus, but um, we could go on a long tangent about the Apocrypha, but we're not gonna do that today. Um, just know that these historical books include 1st and 2nd Maccabees, and that's where the Hanukkah account is, um, and also uh, writings from Josephus, who uh, you may be familiar with. Okay, so in a nutshell, here's the Hanukkah backstory. Um, about 160 years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem, Syria occupied Israel. The king at that point, Antiochus IV, um, was pretty much a tyrant, and he also gave himself the name Antiochus Epiphanes, which means Antiochus uh, God made manifest. Clearly that was a problem. Um, but aside from his God complex, um, Antiochus made it illegal for Jews to study the Bible or observe the Sabbath um, and circumcision. Um, and not only did he gut 
Judaism in these ways, but Antiochus also defiled the Jerusalem temple. First, he pillaged the inside, all the golden things used in worship. Then he set up a statue of Zeus in the temple courtyard. And finally, he sacrificed a pig, an unclean animal, according to God, on the sacrificial altar. And these last couple things just pushed people over the edge. I mean, they could take their worship and their faith underground, like many believers around the world do today, but to see God publicly mocked and his temple desecrated so um, brazenly, um, it was just too much. So a local priest from a small town outside of Jerusalem finally uh, started this guerrilla movement against the Syrians with his sons. And these six men and their followers were eventually nicknamed the Maccabees, which means hammer. In the end, the Maccabees were successful in driving Antiochus's army out of Jerusalem and the books of Maccabees and Josephus report uh, that when the Maccabees cleaned out the temple and prepared to rededicate it by lighting the sacred lampstand, they could only find one container of oil that was still sealed and therefore um, undefiled. Now, this was just enough oil to light the temple lampstand for one day, which was a big problem. So let's talk about this, because when we understand the significance of the lampstand, we can understand the significance and the magnitude of the miracle. Um, it, it's actually about time that we talked about this lampstand inside the temple because in past podcasts, we've talked about the altar of incense and the showbread that sat on the outside of the Holy of Holies. And the lampstand is the third and final thing in that place right outside the veil. So let me read to you a description of uh, the lampstand uh, from Exodus 25. Um, and this is God talking to Moses. And then I'll read um, some of his command about it from Leviticus 24. So um, he said, make a lampstand of pure gold and hammer it out, base and shaft. Its flower-like cups, buds and blossoms shall be of one piece with it. Six branches are to extend from the sides of the lampstand, three on one side and three on the other. Three cups shaped like almond flowers with buds and blossoms are to be on one branch, three on the next branch, and the same for all six branches extending from the lampstand. And on the lampstand, there are to be four cups shaped like almond flowers with buds and blossoms. One bud shall be under the first pair of branches extending from the lampstand, a second bud under the second pair, and a third bud under the third pair. Six branches in all. The buds and branches shall be of one piece with a lampstand, hammered out of pure gold. Then make it seven lamps and set them up on it so that the light, uh, so that they light the space in front of it. Its wick trimmers and trays are to be pure gold. A talent of pure gold is to be used for the lampstand and all these accessories. See that you make them according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. Then in Leviticus 24, um, the Lord said to Moses, uh, command the Israelites to bring you clear oil of pressed olives for the light so that the lamps may be kept burning continually. Outside the curtain of the testimony in the tent of meeting, Aaron is to tend the lamps before the Lord from evening till morning continually. This is to be a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. 
The lamps on the pure gold lampstand before the Lord must be tended continually. So, a lampstand made from a talent of pure gold that was never to go out. Okay, first of all, a talent, depending on who you talk to, was about 75 to 100 pounds. So this lampstand from every engraving and historical records was like about 10 feet tall, it was huge. So the temple lampstand had seven branches, which is different from the Hanukkah menorah, which we'll get to in a minute. But basically it was this tree trunk with seven branches. And throughout scripture, the number seven is uh, a symbol of fullness and completion and obviously of creation. So this lampstand symbolized the tree of life from Genesis, the fullness and completion of the earth and the creation of all life. And with its flaming torches, the tree of life is a reminder that God began this whole process by speaking light into the darkness, which is a reminder that it's only when we give God access to our own personal chaos and darkness, whether that's a crisis or sin or depression, whatever it is, then he will begin to sort things out and put things into place, creating beauty from ashes and light from darkness. Anyway, that's a side note. But back to the lampstand, and because of the symbolism and God's command that this lampstand um, be burning where his tangible presence dwelled on earth, God was giving this message that not only is life uh, symbolic, not only is light symbolic of life, but that he himself is light. I love how the psalmist words this in um, Psalm 104. He says that God wraps himself in light as if it were a garment. Um, I just love that picture. So, so let's bring this lampstand in the temple back to the Hanukkah miracle. So you may have noticed uh, that several times God told Moses that the lampstand is supposed to burn continually, that it is never supposed to go out which makes sense because it represents God and his eternal nature. So the Maccabees are trying to rededicate the temple, right? After cleansing and repairing it, but there's only enough oil for one day. So they have this dilemma. Should they use the one flask of oil to light the lampstand? Well, of course we would say, um, because this would rededicate the temple and announce that God's presence had returned. But, if they light the tiny bit of oil, the flame will go out in a day, which would seem to violate God's command and kind of negate the whole victory and rededication. So, what to do? Well, the Maccabees chose to step out in faith, uh, to obey God and to light the temple lampstand. And as you may know, the miracle of Hanukkah is that the oil lasted not one day, but for eight days which is the time it took to send people to find, um, harvest and press olives to make enough sacred oil to fuel this gigantic um, candelabra, which is why the special Hanukkah menorah has eight candles, 
plus the one special candle we'll talk about in a minute instead of the seven branches on the regular temple menorah or lampstand. Um, and as a side note, this is a menorah that my grandmother gave me uh, 30 years ago. It's from Israel and it is the Lion of Judah. So um, the ritual of lighting Hanukkah menorahs in people's homes uh, like this uh, began about 75 years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem. The rabbis wanted families to celebrate on a personal level the miracle of God. It also kind of coincides with when Rome occupied Israel, which makes me think um, it was also kind of a subtle act of defiance, <laughs> reminding God's people of how the Maccabees had defeated Syria when they'd done the same thing that Rome was doing. So on this menorah, you'll notice that there are eight candle holders down here um, and that there is one that's set apart. And you use this one that's set apart, uh, you light it, and then you use it to light the other candles. Um, now, side note, it used to be that people still used oil in their menorahs um, instead of candles, but these are a little less dangerous than open containers of flaming oil in your house. So um, anyway, on each night you light a candle corresponding to that day of Hanukkah. So last night we lit this candle and then used it to light um, this one on the end. So this is what it looked like last night. So tonight we'll add um, two and we'll light these um, and you let them burn all the way down. And so each night you start out with new ones. Now the other candles aren't allowed to light anything else. Only this one can light the others. Um, and that is where we find our intersection of the old and the new today. Um, this lighter candle has a name. Its name is Shamas. And it means servant. This candle serves the others by lighting them. Jesus came to serve. He called himself a servant. And this servant also called himself the light of the world. By calling himself the light of the world, Jesus was um, reminding everyone of that giant lampstand. And he was announcing to everyone that he is that magnificent blazing tree of life lampstand in the flesh. Um, that he is the one that brings full, complete life that he is the one who lights our way in the world, that he is the one that illuminates the dark corners of our lives and our hearts um, and brings forth beauty um, from our chaos, um, that he was God. The true light that um, gives light to the world, to everyone had come into the world, said John. Um, just like the servant candle, uh, Jesus brings light to each of us. Um, light and life to all he brings, in the words of the Christmas carol. Um, and as we each, as these candles receive that light, his light, we become bearers of his light to others. The miracle of Christmas really is powerfully wrapped up in the miracle of Hanukkah. So I hope um, as you see Hanukkah menorahs this week, that you'll visualize the Shamus candle, the servant, who is Jesus, the light of the world. And you'll ponder anew um, how he brings his light to each of us. 
and how we each can be bearers of his light in the darkness around us, um, bringing warmth and light to places, especially in 2020, of isolation and darkness. I look forward to being with you again next week um, on the last day of Hanukkah as we prepare to celebrate the arrival of God's light on earth in the flesh. In the meantime, I wish you a restful holiday filled with God's eternal light.